Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 198. I want to thank you for taking the time to join me on this episode. As we make our way through the book of Luke uh, in what we're calling Lessons in Luke, uh, these 25 days leading up to Christmas, uh, we find ourselves in today's episode in Luke chapter 3. And uh, for this particular um, lesson, I want to point out something um, yet again, that I've read countless times and have never noticed, and uh, and I want to pass that on, uh, particularly in this episode. So, um, in Luke chapter 3, we are introduced to a character that we have yet to discover in uh, Luke. Well, that's not entirely uh, accurate, because we hear of John the Baptist um, in the womb, however, this is um, adult version, John the Baptist, and we kind of see, we get to see him in his uh, typical role that we have come to know of John the Baptist. And so uh, we will we'll pick up in verse 7 and uh, read some scripture here and then kind of unpack some things that I want to point out. So beginning in verse seven, um, we see that John is addressing the crowds that are coming out uh, to him to be baptized. And so it says, he, he, John says, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. Um, something that I do want to just touch on, just mention, um, ever so slightly, and I've taken this, I think, for granted, because when John says this um, very famous passage, you brood of vipers, which is a pretty strong accusation, for some reason I've had it in my mind to consider that he's actually talking to the religious leaders. But actually, if you see note, if you notice carefully, um, and you may be like, of course, it's obvious, um, he said it to the crowds. So this was a general statement that John had issued to those who were coming out to him. He he made that statement broadly to those who were attending, and he calls them, you brood of vipers. So it wasn't just, he wasn't just speaking to the Pharisees or to religious leaders, but um, in this particular translation, it says the crowds coming. So he's not he's not speaking to the you know religious elite or the Pharisee, and he's speaking to the general. and And I think that in itself warrants some specific thought um, on its own. But um, John goes on to say in verse eight, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. And I think, I think it's very important 
um, to, well, we, I'd say we, we all, we, we probably have a, a decent grasp on, on that, on that sentence, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Um, I'll, I'll continue reading, um, just to get to the end of, of the passage, um, so that maybe in, as a, context as a whole, we can process it a little better. So produce fruit in keeping with repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The ax is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Now, that analogy, as when I read that, and as I've read it before, for a, you know a long period of time, that analogy instantly makes me think of hell and judgment and wrath, and and that would be connected to the unbeliever, to the one who rejects the gift of grace. In Jesus Christ. But I want you to pay close attention, though, to the response of the crowd. So, in my mind, I've associated what John says there, and what was it? The axe is already at the root of the trees. Every tree that does not bear, produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. So, what I want you to, to see closely is the response to the crowd. So they've just heard that they need to produce fruit that is analogous to true repentance. So they say, and rightly so, what should we do then, the crowd asks. Now, here is what I want us to notice. John's response in verse 11 and following John answered, Anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none, and anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, What should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, And what should we do? He replied, Don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. So, in John's warning of the, the tree and the axe being laid to the root, it's already at the root of the tree, and those trees that do not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire and burned. Now, if if that statement was about salvation or about the need for saving, John's response would be very different to the crowd's request. What should we do? Because if it was about salvation, you would expect John to say when they asked what should we do, well, he should say, 
repent and be saved for the forgiveness of your sins and to be baptized. That's what you would expect John to say if, indeed, it was about salvation. But what does John say? His answer was, anyone who has two shirts should share them with one who has none, and anyone who has food should do the same. And even the tax collectors, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to collect. And soldiers also asked him, what should we do? And he replied, don't extort Um, money from the people. Don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. These are all examples of how a person should live righteously. But more than just that, John is detailing for them what good fruit looks like. So he mentions nowhere in that response the way that they may be saved. So I've come to believe that what I've assumed to be true about this um, particular uh, portion of Scripture is actually quite different than what I believe the text to actually be demonstrating. It's not. It's not a text. You know, this um, the axe is already at the root of the tree, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. That's, I don't believe that that's a text regarding the salvation. It's, it's regarding, um, he, John is, is essentially illustrating for the people what is good fruit. Now, you may ask, well, what is the significance of the language that he gives about cutting down and throwing into the fire. You know, a the the illusion of fire is is not always one of of judgment or uh, wrath. Fire can also be a purifying. Um it can also be something that addresses um things that are let's let's call them dead works or, you know, for sake of better words, you know, chaff, things that are not necessary are just burnt up to make room for that which is more beneficial in our lives. So we shouldn't necessarily jump straight to this idea of, of hell and fire and judgment, though those things are valid realities. I don't believe they are in this scenario what John is speaking regarding. Um, there's no instruction from John for how someone is to be saved. He has these people on the edge of their seats, and there is clearly some conviction happening amongst the people. I mean, for all these different types of people um, to ask, what should we do? Like, what what is it that is needed in this moment? And so, we don't. We know that we don't have a works based based uh, Christianity. We know that our righteousness is is not what can uh, save us from from judgment. Um. 
And it's not our works that would bring us or get for us eternal life. It's faith alone in Christ alone. So you believe in what he did and what he makes available to you, and you believe that it is yours to have, that that is the simplicity of the gospel. It's, it's so simple that to the Jew, it was a stumbling block, and to the Gentile, it was ludicrous. So this passage, I hope, that I've established is not about salvation. It is about John demonstrating or giving them examples of how one embodies good fruit. He's giving them an illustration of what good fruit looks like. Now, with that being said, in each of our own lives, we have opportunities. Um, we have been raised to newness of life in Christ. Um, we, have, we have opportunities to demonstrate the love and the kindness and the integrity of Jesus Christ. And each one of us has an obligation to demonstrate that the goodness of the fruit that we bear, whether you are sharing your abundance with others, whether you are operating within your profession with integrity and honesty, whatever it looks like, we are to operate in a way of integrity and honor and morality because our good fruit is evidence that we've had genuine repentance. That's what that's what John says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance that is evidenced by genuine repentance. So I would challenge each of us to make the most of these opportunities that come along in our lives and then use those opportunities to demonstrate the gospel in the lives of people around us, not by pointing our finger but rather by extending our hand. So I want to thank you for taking this time with me on this episode. I pray that it was a blessing to you. I look forward to seeing you on the next one. God bless. I would trade a million lifetimes for a moment here with you.